0: Welcome to KingsCast with Eric and Ryan. This is your weekly Sacramento Kings podcast for Kings fans, by Kings fans. As always, this episode is brought to you by Ziggy Smoke Shop. You can follow Ziggy Smoke Shop on Instagram at Ziggy Smoke Shop with locations in Stockton and Tracy. We are coming off of a really fun episode two weeks ago. So one week off, Ryan I came on and talked about the Kings, the NBA, and everything going on. You can find that episode or any of our other episodes streaming on the Believe Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring in my co-host today, as always, Ryan. What's good?
1: What is going on? Drinking A little Kirkland vodka with my favorite fresca. Always the best, All right? <clears throat> so... Let me, let me go into my little vodka's real quick. Okay. So as you guys know, kind of transitioning from drinking beer during the week. I'm down 12 pounds uh in the last month. It's not like I'm not a fat guy at all. I'm actually in pretty good shape. I I went from you know what 203 to, to 191. Uh I'm feeling pretty good. The vodka's working out, but I, I I usually mix it up between three different vodkas. So obviously Tito's is my favorite. Like if you don't like Tito's vodka, you know, if that's not your favorite vodka, what the hell wrong with you? Second favorite distilled in uh, the nearby grass valley. It's called uh, South Fork vodka. really tasteful. Uh, I've had it twice. Uh, I bought two bottles recently, so really good stuff and then as always you know you got to go to the well, right? Costco brand anything right? Go to the well Costco Kirkland vodka. they say it's gray goose. I don't really know, but I love it I mix it with my fresca. It's been really great lately so you know I have a have a glass every other day or every two days or so but on the podcast, Podcast nights, always have two glasses. you got to stay frisky. Uh, other than that, it's been, you know, two weeks since we did a podcast. I've absolutely been murdering with my bets. <clears throat> so, let me just, you know, tell you how my week's been going. I'm up 1,500 this week. Um, I, okay, so I've never watched a Kentucky Derby in my freaking life. Ever. Don't pay attention to it. For some reason, I'm with a couple buddies this past week, and I decide bet the that the Kentucky Derby, um rich strike i picked to finish top three and it was 81 80 to 1 odds put 25 bucks on it or not it was 80 to 1 whatever it was i put 25 fucking dollars on it okay i won 500 bucks so that's always a cherry on the top to end my weekend it was freaking amazing um you know I, i went up five another 500 i think betting basketball and baseball and then uh, I was up at Black Oak Casino this past weekend, won five hundred uh, playing playing some blackjack. So overall, great weekend. Uh, you guys can always DM me for that betting advice. Um, so <laughs> I've been on a real freaking hot streak, but it's, it's been great, man. I, I really good couple weeks.
0: You know, you talking about DMs? We because we talk so much betting on the show, I, I do get DMs like hey, Eric. What you know? What do you use? What site do you use? And everything like that. You know. Bunch of different things out there, but I got a good one for the people with with the Believe Network, Ryan. So uh, you know, the Believe partners with Bet Online to continue the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. Um, find all of the latest developments, including updated odds on the NBA and NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball fights. I bet those fights this past weekend took major L's, but you know, um, and then even next season's NFL futures um, bet online is your continued source for all of your sports wagering needs, including live betting, love, live betting um, and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. Um, it's easy to get started. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code believe BLEAV to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts. And I was reading that and it's like, I I love that we get the betting, uh, the betting promo uh, through believe Ryan, Uh, those live bets. That was one of my favorite things to do. We've talked about a ton of show like in game during this, during the season, just a bet in the arena and live bet rebounds. That's the most exciting thing. And it honestly makes watching the games way better when you have a little bit of stakes on rebounds or points or something like that. So, um, We've been kind of starting off the show. We have, okay, let's say this, Ryan, because I know people are itching. Like, there's a lot, there hasn't been much going on the last couple of weeks as far as the Kings go. And we've kind of been waiting. You and I were traveling the the uh, last couple of weeks, like opposite weeks. And so that's why we have a little break in our recording. But the Kings did hire a coach. And we we're going to talk about that. But but before we get going, Ryan, I want to give you, 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 I think you're three for three in our uh, random NBA player trivia. So I'm going to throw one out there to get the episode kind of kicked off today. All right. This one, I think it could be tough, but you know what? I'm going to give you credit where credit's due, Ryan. I'm not going to call you a genius by any means, but you're nailing them the last couple of weeks. Okay, so here we go. Here's, here is the obscure player, okay, or a random player. So get your head in it, Ryan. All right, this guy, college. This is going to be, going to be tough because you're like, what the fuck? College, Alabama, all right? He was He was picked in the 1995 NBA draft, second overall. All right. He was selected by the Clippers, but he didn't play for the Clippers. He played for the Denver Nuggets. That was his first team. Denver Nuggets, Phoenix Suns, Denver Nuggets again, the New York Knicks, the Phoenix Suns again. He was a bench player on the Detroit Pistons, and he finished his career with the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, San Antonio Spurs, 2001 All-Star. Power forward. I should have mentioned that. He's a power forward.
1: All right, so two names came to mind. Uh, the first name that popped in my head was Marcus Camby. I that's that's not right. I think he went uh, to you. I think Marcus Camby you know, went to UMass. Yes, yes. So second name, and I'm pretty sure this is who it is. Fuck, dude, I can't get this wrong. Okay, uh, Antonio McDice.
0: Yes, yeah, there it is, Antonio yeah. McDice. Nice one.
1: The all right, so the thought process on this. Eric was a big fan back in the day of Ben Wallace, like his favorite player of all times, Ben Wallace. Okay. So we used to play NBA Live and like NBA Live, like 03, 04. I always use the fucking Kings, right? Because Eric's favorite player is Ben Wallace. He's like, I'll, I'll just use the Pistons. You could have the King. Tony McDice was on those rosters. The New York Knicks kind of gave it away, but the 01 All Star team, that was the one I was kind of unsure about it. Uh, but the 01 All Star game uh, gave it away. So Tony McDice, yeah, that's, that's, I didn't know he went to Alabama. I, I, I did not know he went to Alabama.
0: Antonio Mc, Antonio McDice He's was kind smart. of like ahead. Yeah, he was kind of ahead of his time, though. He was kind of like you know a stretch four today. They're shooting threes, but back in like the '90s and 2000s, a stretch four was kind of like a mid-range shooting power forward. Kind of like I don't even know to compare it to. You know, I mean, I, I can give comps, but and and Tony McDice was was kind of like this all-around scorer. He wasn't a he wasn't a down low banger. Um, but you, although, you know I,
1: you know who. He, he reminds me of like kind of a uh a Blake Griffin that's that's Antonio McDice was kind of to me like I look back and I'm like yeah Antonio totally, yeah 6 foot 9 I'm looking at it right now 6 in foot the, 9 so yeah in it, the
0: ways you know. he could score you know it was a, yeah Antonio McDice, that's, that that's that's a good one you're in you're right yeah bat, that's kind of why I picked it you know the NBA live cuz back in the day yeah I did I, I was a big fan of those Pistons teams because Ben Wallace I was like I don't know why wow, I was so obsessed with Ben Wallace um, the defense or whatever the case. But I always used to put Antonio McDice in at power forward because they had Darko Milicic at the time. Um, and, you know, Darko sucked on the game. So I always used Antonio McDice. All right. Hey, so that's a good one. Four for four, man. One day, one of these days, I'm going to stump you. One of these days, I'm going to stump you with a good one. That
1: was one. a good one. That was a really good one.
0: Yeah. Uh, so let's kick off the episode with some Kings talk. Because so, so last time we came on, we were kind of talking. The Kings were just starting interviews. And we were kind of talking about like what are they going to do and what we think they should do. And we kind of had a conversation around the coach. So before we kind of talk about the selection, let's kind of refresh the people of where we stood at the time. Right. Right. And so I'll break it in. I think at the time we we, we were having a conversation a lot about like how much, you know, faith do you think, how much is a coach's value? How much are they worth? How much can they really turn things around? You know, a bad coach can be bad, but can a good coach really be that good? You know, I don't know. We kind of had a conversation about that. Um, And then I think that one of the things we really kind of concluded both you and I was that we really didn't want to see one of these experimental guys. Now those guys could work. There's plenty of examples around where that could work. I mean, look, look at Boston, look at what Boston did this, you know, this past year, there's a lot of guys like that, these experimental assistants that come in and they, that's great. And I think a lot of people um, when it comes to the coach, they Want to fantasize about uh, there's a fantasy they're going to come in and, and add some revolutionary component to basketball, you know, like the Princeton offense, or the triangle offense, or the five out, you know, three pointer, you know, or the seven seconds or less. You know, we can do this all day, right? Right? Like all these, oh, we're going to revolutionize the game, but realistically, it is, it is you know, come on, come on, like that's not. Let's just get somebody in here who's a fucking adult. And that's what Ryan and I kind of concluded. We needed a fucking adult in the room, someone with some experience. And so we really favored more the retread. Now, a retread is a, is a, is a negative connotation on a coach. But most coaches in the NBA are retreads. If you go look back, number of NBA coaches of the year fired. And even NBA champions coaches fired sometimes more than once. Right, um, and we can give examples on that. We don't need to. Uh, so retread is the reason we wanted to retread. We needed someone who, who's going to come in here, understood how to like, understood how to play stars and how and player management and and if anything, like kind of command some type of uh authority at, at the head coaching position. So that's kind of where I think is that kind of summarize it, Ryan, where we we kind of left off. Yeah. 100
1: hundred percent. All right. 100%. And then I, and I,
0: and I would say too, like when we left it where we were at the time, right. Is like, we liked the idea of Dan, Tony, Mark Jackson, pretty much because we knew those guys were going to come in. They had some type of identity and what they wanted, some philosophy that they were going to carry out. There wasn't just like this, like, and amb- ambiguous approach to coaching. You're not, no, not quite sure like what they're going to do. And, so we're like, let's just get one of these experienced guys that command some respect around the league that's going to come in here and not be fucking meddled with with the front office or meddled with by the ownership or dictated around by fucking players, which I don't think there's players on the roster right now because like, they're going to dictate things very much. I, I don't think it's that way. So, um, you know, they hire Mike Brown, all we'll right, break it in. Start it off with, with what you got.
1: Well, this goes back to like you were saying right we really I, I don't think it was in sacramento's best interest to hire a darvin ham i saw a bunch of fucking people darvin ham and it's like dude the position that sacramento's in right now it's uh you have to hit right you have to hit and um you know i think they made the safe pet with mike brown so yeah, i think like you said bringing the adult into the room uh his you know he has been to an NBA finals, okay, even though it was LeBron James at his best, uh, you know, in my opinion, at, at almost his peak, you know, the, those 23-year-old LeBron James was a freak of nature. So, um, you know, they, they they did the safe bet, okay, Let, let's just say that. Um, I do have some, you know, reservations about Mike Brown, um, you know, he his only success really came with a LeBron James. Um, He's made multiple stops around the NBA. Uh, Like you said, he is respected. So I'm not disappointed at all. I'm not disappointed at all. I think Mike Brown is going to come in. I think he's going to, uh, you know, change maybe the culture a little bit. But at the end of the day, it all comes down to who's on your fucking roster. Okay. You know, I was listening to Sports 1140 today because for some reason, all right. First off, I never listened to them.
0: Yeah, I don't either, dude. I, I turned them on. I turned them on as a commercial, so
1: I, I turned yeah. it back off. So for some reason, my phone would not connect to the Bluetooth in my truck today, for whatever reason. So I, I was like, okay, I'll listen to the Nick Cavill show, right? Uh, on the way to the gym for like two minutes. And he was saying today, you know, sh- shout out to Carmichael Dave, who I haven't listened to in five years. But he was saying that, you know, Carmichael Dave's big thing was, you know coaches need talent, right? Greg Popovich was 15 games under 500 this year, you know, and some people would consider him the greatest coach of all time. Um, So at the end of the day, it's it's all about who's on your team. It's a superstar driven league. Okay. We say that all the time, you know, and it's mostly two superstars, right? Like there's not a lot of teams with one superstar who get it done. So you need two superstars. Um, So it's, it always comes down to who's the talent, you know, who has the most talented roster. So um, you know, do I think Mike Brown could come in and give some stability? Possibly, right? I, I definitely would prefer him over uh, Luke Walton. Um, definitely over Alvin Gentry. Uh, but Mike Brown, yeah, he's going to come in. Stability, but Sacramento's got bigger problems than their head coach, right? you got to be – got to bring other guys in. You know, you, you have – you know, we've been saying it for years. The bottom of the roster has been borderline NBA guys, you know? So it's, it's all about the you – know, it's all about the lineup. You know, we, we, we have to see, I I'm, I'm happy. They didn't go hire Joe Schmo from, you know, Phoenix's from Phoenix's staff. You know what I mean? Whoever, you know what I'm talking about? You know, they didn't just go pick off Phoenix's staff who, who's, you know, had the best record in the NBA or they didn't go to Miami and try to pull somebody from Spolstra's staff or pull somebody from the Greg Popovich tree. Um, they went and got Mike Brown, a guy who, was a head coach almost 20 years ago in the NBA who's been around. He's been the assistants. He's been to the NBA finals. He's won championships as a bench coach. So at the end of the day, you really can't be too mad at it. I, I look at this higher. And it, it always brings me back to this. We've talked about this multiple times on the podcast in my eyes, what's the difference between Dave Yeager and Mike Brown? You know, like I look at that and I'm just like, You know, it it goes back to why they fired Dave Yeager. You know, like Dave Yeager was the Western Conference Coach of the Year, I believe, or Coach of the Year, I believe, when he was with Memphis. And uh, it's that type of hire. Now, the biggest thing that Sacramento needs to do in the coming years is, you know, don't shoot yourselves in the foot, okay? If Sacramento misses the playoffs this next next year, you can't fucking panic and fire McNair, right? Because what's going to happen? Another general manager is going to come in and hire his own coach kind of, you know, know, to – kind of what McNair's you know or the the, the past has been with Sacramento so you give Sacramento's biggest thing is they need to give three years right three years McNair Mike Brown let's go acquire talent let's build some you know uh chemistry in Sacramento let's try to change the culture a little bit and uh yeah so I I've heard a lot of things you know that's you know McNair was on the hot seat this year and all this bullshit so Sacramento just they need continuity you need stability. You need to give guys five years. And if it doesn't work after five years, then yeah, fucking change the change the narrative and change the guys, you know, change the front office. But one thing that stuck out, and a lot of people have said it, and it's obvious is you know, the Vex guy was Mark Jackson, and Mark Jackson didn't come. He, you know, he passed the torch, he didn't meddle, and it looks like he stayed out of it. So that's a plus. It, you know, I mean you have come on here. And you say, you know, we have said in McNair we trust, and McNair picked Mike Brown. I'm, you know, if he picks him, I'm good. So
0: Uh, yeah, there's, uh, well, I think right there, I was going to say something, which was like, I, well, right away, it takes to come out. We're like, well, you know, Monty McNair, he got his guy, no excuses anymore. And so I, I, I agree with you that it's more about the players. And I was really like more, that's really more my concern. That's why we like, as, as stuff got, you know, the offseason started to happen. I didn't really get too excited or caught up in it. Because at the end of the day, like, I don't, I'm not going to say I don't care because I do care, but that's not really my, it doesn't really matter as much. It doesn't really matter if they don't go out and fix the talent on the roster. And so I think people are just so reactionary. Like I could definitely see 20 games in, you know, Kings aren't like, the Kings are being the Kings. So they're kind of floating around. You know where they probably where they where they probably should be floating around, and people, ah, oh, same old, same old thing, same old story. You know, and, and that's the hard thing is like when you when you pick moves, it's like you, you are like you're you are like you said you're looking over a long period of time and a several year period of time of evaluation, and that's kind of been the king's issue. And, and you know the thing is is that the reason you can't the reason we've been against like favoring you know favoring more developed players under. under uh rookies young guys underdeveloped guys and why we favored a more experienced coach over like a you know 2005 piston darvin ham uh you know guys like that is because the kings have and this is what people forget when they give their takes out there in Kingsland, not not maybe fans but like maybe some media people it's like they've sucked for so long that there there is like this urgency this real urgency. They want to see it. They want to see it. And and the worse and worse this, it gets. And the longer this, this continues to happen, the more that mindset. And, and that's kind of the cycle the Kings have gotten. I always think to myself, like, how do the Kings get into like a fucking 16 year playoff drought? Like how, how does it happen? And part of it is like, you just keep losing and you keep freaking out because you're losing. So you, you, you double down, double down. You're just trying to chase those wins, you know, and, 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 and do all that. So, I think that's the thing is, that's my thing. Don't be too reactionary. It doesn't really fucking matter right now if the roster's not squared. And uh, let's focus on that. Now, I think that something I read, like a little tidbit, okay, that I haven't really seen people make a big deal about, but it's a big deal to me. All right. One of my criticisms, and I think your criticisms of the Kings has been that they are like a fucking Mickey Mouse. Organization. They're like G League-esque sometimes, which is true. I think that's true. I think it's dramatic, but I think it's kind of true. All right. Um, and so one of the holdups, I think, in hiring Mike Brown was that he was a lot of his negotiations was going to be salaries for assistant coaches. That was something like he was really pushing for. Uh, hey, am I gonna be able to pay assistance? And I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna hope that with this one, that coming from his his side, he w- he was negotiating like what I've read. Are you good? Are they gonna go out and get certain types of players that I want? Are they gonna be active? Are they going to you know hypothetically do all these things? And that's something that. I think is probably good for the Kings that, 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 that there is a thought about building like something here in the coat. And that's what we said about like some a fucking uh, adult. Someone's going to come in and, and like kind of dictate a little bit. That's kind of been the King's issue is that a couple of the, like Luke Walton, I think was just happy to get a job right away and bounce back. And I think he kind of conformed from time to time when it came to playing players rotations, um, especially with COVID, you know, with the roster and I think with the front office, I don't know. I mean, maybe kind of some of the same, like a lot of like cover your ass stuff, cover your ass moves, conservative or not aggressive enough or whatever. Um, and so, uh, which, you know, I, the front office or not the front office, but the ownership kind of dictated a lot of stuff. And that's kind of what's come out. Right. So you kind of want to head coaches to come and dictate, maybe dictate certain types of players or dictate what they really want to do. And I, I, fucking hope to this is crazy we have to have a conversation but i really hope to god that they're considering you know deer and fox and stuff and all this i really hope they're considering some bonus and all this and like what the roster is going to look like um because that's a shitty thing about the last couple coaches is they is they bring a couple of these guys in that don't really have a plan with the current roster man and so that's more my concern is like is it is it all in line uh are they placing value on the right things? Are they trying to win? Are they trying to get the right people? Like that's the type of stuff that kind of that's why the retread thing was was I'm cool with man. They kind of know a little bit, you know?
1: Yeah. Are they valuing the same thing that I'm valuing, right? That's how you know, when you're McNair, you want to hire somebody who's like, okay, obviously he values Darren Fox, right? Like he he kept Darren Fox over Halliburton. Obviously, he values Sabonis because he traded, you know, buddy healed and Tyrese Halberton for him. So is this new coach going to come in and value the same types of things that I'm valuing? And uh, I, I think so. I think, you know, obviously, they, not obviously. Okay. <laughs> Sacramento is a shit franchise, so I don't assume anything. But you would think that they had the conversations, right? Do you believe that De'Aaron Fox and Devonta Simonis can take you back to the playoffs, right? They had to have that conversation with Mike Brown. Obviously, he said yes, you know. And I think as Mike Brown, who seems like a pretty smart guy and who's been around a really great organization for the last six years, he would have said, hey, if I need this, you know, player A or B, are you willing to go get him? Can Are you going to do everything that you can to make sure that I can, you know, bring this playoff or bring this franchise back to playoffs? And I'm assuming McNair said yes. So, you know, they seem like two pretty smart guys. So I, I'm really not going to, you know, I'm not going to think the worst, but. You know, you, you have to be able to the general manager has to be willing to do whatever it takes as well. And he's showing that. So I'm really not too worried. I think it was the safe hire. Like I said earlier, um, this is this was one of those situations where, you know, you have to separate yourself from the dysfunction that's happened over the 16 and a half years. You know, you got to do whatever you can to, to bring, uh, you know, quote unquote, adults back into the franchise. And so safe, safe hire. I I, do. I think that, you know, this is something I was thinking about. Do I think Mike Brown will be in Sacramento for the next five years? This is something I was looking at. I was like, do I think Mike Brown, you know? And I don't think so. I think Mike Brown is kind of a, you know, a bridge type of guy. I I see him as coming in stabilized, you know, maybe you get in, uh, you know, maybe you get in as the eight or seven seed, but I, do I think that Mike Brown could take us to a one or two seed? I don't think so. I, I think it's kind of a situation where he comes in for five, four, three to five years. And, and, you know, you win some games and, um, you know, you tr- trade up and you really get a great coach when you have the personnel. So, um, you, but you can't be mad at it, right? Like, dude, we almost said people were calling for Darvin ham, literally. Like that was the one thing that me and you came on here. And we're like, dude, fuck. No, fuck. No, bring an adult.
0: Well, I got something. He's like, the whole coaching search, if anything,
1: I'll,
0: one thing you and I like to do is like poke at, uh, kind of poke at people. <laughs> and and uh, I, I just don't get with the coaching search why people, wh- where's people's like evidence and where's their takes coming from? See, the thing is like when you give takes about players, you watch them. There, you watch them play, you watch the teams they've been on, you watch how they've been used and you see their stats. Like there's this, there's an impact you can like actually calculate. And so, I don't really get how you can calculate the value of a, of an assistant coach. I have a hard time and I don't know how you can evaluate. Now here's, I'm not saying as a, as a front office or as a professional, you know, front office, I'm talking about from a fan perspective. I don't get how you can value an assistant coach in basketball. And I definitely don't get how you can, how you can like accurately value or project or their impact of a coach on a assistant coach on a really good team. That's hard. Now, that's something I, I don't get how people were doing that. I'm still I'm baffled. You know, maybe there's people that are diving into the archives. It's those people on Twitter, Ryan, that they post the uh, the videos and they're like, oh, look, look at this action right here where the guy goes baseline. He comes up on two screens and a yo yo screen. You know, there's those guys that they get all worked up, you know, or they hear a little NBA breakdown and they're like, oh, you know, look at. I, I just don't get how people value. So for us, I think the conversation more is around like, like what, what we're saying, you know, I think half the battle in the NBA is just how to talent. take ta- Yeah. Talent and how to manage talent. That's really a lot of it. It's not as much X's and O's. I think that's a, like a head coach, assistant coach players, like all kinds of thing and mixed with talent. That's the NBA. See the NFL is a lot different because it's so schematic you 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 really it's very very impactful and and, and a little bit more apparent. But NBA it's more especially now like free flowing games. You know a lot of screens and guys just take you know physically coming off screens and taking it in. And you know you, you know like I get there's an X's and O's factor, but a lot of it is do, can you get talent in the room? Can you manage talent? Can you put them in a position to develop them? Can you put them in a position where you're not asking them to do some shit they can't do, and then, therefore they suck and. Then, and can you put them in a position where they only need to do things that they they can do? So therefore they succeed. And that's kind of the battle. And that's really right there. That's like baseline. That's like baseline stuff. So if you look back to like the, the king's last like three to five coaches, you didn't really get that. And you know, we especially didn't get the, that that the last two co- coaches and gentry and Luke Walton. You know, we go back to Marvin Bagley, like how the fuck is it that, that Luke Walton walked in the door. OK, it, with Marvin Bagley on the roster at 21 years old or 20 years old, Granny had some injuries, but, but like never could figure out a fucking way to get the guy to play the guy at all. Buddy Heald, that's another thing. Buddy Heald was a 20 point a game shooting guard and Luke Walton couldn't fucking figure it out like that guy's not that fucking hard to figure out. You know, it couldn't figure it out. So those are like, those are prime examples right there of of guys. And then people will say, "Well, you know, you got the most out of, Rashawn Holmes and these guys." Yeah, but were they impactful? At like the grand scheme of things, like were they impactful? No. So that's really what I'm looking at, like how are guys used in like, shit like that. You know, you know, and um, like there's the the great thing is, is that you know maybe maybe just the the, the endless optimism. As a Kings fan, but like, I think shit, is a little, it's a little bit different this time. I really do. I think things is, are a little bit different. I have the vibe, man. I said coming come in this off season. I, f- I felt that way. They have cap space. They kind of chose a direction at the trade deadline. They got, I felt like they, they kind of sifted through and and chose their way out of the dysfunction a couple months ago.
1: Well, the, the DeMontis bonus trade definitely does that right. One in the last, 16 years have they moved to go get an all-star at the break, right? You see little moves. Okay, you see, you know, you, you see little moves to fill out the roster, you move expiring contracts, or you know, whatever it is. They've never done what they did. Okay. So now you have a 24-year-old Darren Fox and you have a 25, 26-year-old DeMontis Sabonis on your roster, two-time all-star. There's legit building pieces, okay, with the cap space. Now, what are you gonna do with that? Okay, you have you know Harrison Barnes who in my opinion needs to be moved you have Rashawn Holmes who, in my opinion needs to be moved you have your draft pick still uh what are you going to do with there are you going to run it back with the new coach and see how things go or are you going to make the necessary moves and I think they're going to make the necessary moves to make sure you know that they, that they return to the playoffs and um at the moment I, I you know obviously I'm a betting man at the moment, I I would I would pick I would pick Sacramento to be in the playoffs next year. I really would. I I think that the evidence of the last two years with McNair has shown us he's you know that's the goal, right? Uh, so yeah, I, I mean, you know, I, I'm on board. I'm on board. I, I really think they're going to make those certain moves.
0: One of my favorite lines that you drop on the show, which uh, you didn't say it, which you which you go, uh, if I were a betting man, which I am, <laughs> you you dropped that a couple of times. Yeah. We- yeah, I, I, you know, the thing is, it's like, why why put myself out there right now? Because there's really no need about playoffs. I say, I just think it feels different. It feels different. I feel like there's a lot of opportunity here to just kind of, there's a lot things that are solidified or solidified, the things that aren't, aren't The last couple off seasons, there's been a lot of like division amongst unnecessary fucking players. Like really, there really is. So you go two off, two off seasons ago, everyone was freaking out about, Bogdan Bogdanovich, like dude is a dude is a fucking role player. Okay. We, we, we been telling you forever. There is no need to have that much discussion around that guy. Okay. Like, so that was that off season and then they had to choose buddy over and then, you know, whatever they, they, they did with him. Right. And then, um, you know, last off season was all this shit about Rashawn Holmes, you know, going into the off season, like we got to take care of this guy. We got to take care of this guy. And I think conversations like that, where you're just focused on the wrong shit, think, think about it, fans really, really reflect. The last couple of years, you've spent your off season debating each other and arguing each other over like non factors. You really have over non factors that did that ended up not moving any needles and were non factors. That's why I said this offseason is a little different because I think the the thing is now is like I don't really. I think that if Rashawn Home get, gets moved, it's it's whatever, dude. I think people are cool; they understand, which has not been the case. I think that if Barnes gets moved, I think that's okay. Um, so. The, the point I'm trying to make is like they, I think the Kings have an opportunity to really turn over their roster this year. That's, and that's where they really, and not turn it over in major key positions, but to turn it over in uh, a way in which they can kind of get guys who fit what they want to do. And let's get some fucking different people in the room. Let's, you know, let's get some different people out there. They have some money to throw around. Um, I'm curious to see what they're going to do about the guard position, right? Not, not going to hold a debate about the roster, but, you know, I've seen this week. There was a, people are kind of having their checklists of, you know, what, what to accomplish this season. Like hire a coach, you know, do this, do that, find this position. And I'm like, you know, they have Terrence Davis, they have Davion Mitchell. The guards right there said they probably need one or two more, but it's really the forwards, both the three and the four. They got to fucking figure out that that's really the big one. And so, you know, I, I, I think I said it feels it feels different for, for that reason. And really, it's got it's kind of really exciting that you had uh, Darren Fox finish off the season that looked quite a bit like the year before. He's coming to that age now where you kind of expect like the next step, the, ne- the next level of production. Same with Sabonis. So, um, you know, anytime shit happens in the offseason, most people aren't like. Freaking out. Everyone's always like, oh yeah, this is gonna be great. This is gonna be awesome. So that's that's what's great about the offseason as Keys fan. It's the one time you get to be kind of happy and and you're not let down, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, you said a lot there, but I you know (laughs) I I, the and Fox point was good. I I I agree that Deared Fox is getting to that point now where it's like you're you're expecting him what he did the second half of the season is kind of what you're expecting him to do from here for the next six years, right? I don't know if you you know, I, I, yeah, I agree. agree on that, you yeah. know, until he's 30 years old. That's what you're expecting. Same thing with Devonta Simonis. I think this year was a baseline for those guys, but uh, you know, specifically the forward positions, you have to upgrade, you know, and I, I know everyone's talking about that and, you know, everybody loves Harrison Barnes, you know, they're a good player, good player. But I think Sacramento definitely needs to upgrade Her- You know, Sacramento doesn't have the luxury to have a guy like Harrison Barnes on the roster. You know, you need somebody who is a true, true, you know, difference maker either, you know, whether on the defense or on, the, you know, the scoring side, having a guy who kind of just, yeah, you know, 16 points, you know, yeah, six rebounds. They need somebody who has an elite quality at the wing, right? Whether it be lockdown defender, elite three-point shooter, they need that pair with De'Aaron Fox. And I think Davion Mitchell who's going to be a really good player as long as, you know, as well as Sabonis, let me me put that there. So um, one thing, you know, one thing I wanted to bring up to you, and I was thinking about this the other day, and we haven't talked about this yet, but do you think Sabonis, you know, you talked about moving the forward positions, do you think Sabonis is a forward, or do you think he's a center? We've never really had this conversation on the podcast. And, you know, we everyone's, I've been seeing for the last few weeks, oh, they need to upgrade the the power forward, they need to upgrade the, the small forward. And I'm, you know, if Sacramento has a chance to, to really upgrade the center position, right? Hypothetically, if if Rudy Gobert is available, do you think that they would make a move like that? Or do you think that, that they really view Sabonis as a center?
0: It's hard to say. You know, a lot of people like to... You know me. I, I don't understand. I mean, everyone has an issue with... Um, two big men. With two big men for some reason. Okay, but I, I look at... I think a good example is Memphis. Memphis is a very good example with the King's roster. You have a primary ball handing ball handling point guard who's ball he's very ball dominant and his he, his points are at the rim, okay? That's his game. You have a center who is literally like an ogre. That's his point on the court is to be an ogre. And then you have a power forward. Who is kind of like this athletic? You know, I don't even you you, you describe Defensive. Jer- yeah, well, d- jer- defensive. Describe Jaren. Jer- jer- Jackson's very, game. For
1: me. He 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 can hit the open three. Uh, he's not going to go in and put thirty five up, but he's a fucking rim athletic rim protector who can space the floor. That's it. He's right there. he's
0: yeah. He's not a. Uh, he's not by any means a like. One of these power fours who, who, who just sits at the corners and shoots threes, you, you know, and there's a lot of examples. But I look at the, I look at Memphis, I'm like, why can it not be done? So, Bonus clearly is, I don't think this is an exaggeration. And, and it's not even me being a homer with this take, even though it's going to sound like this. I think he's one of the most versatile big men in the NBA. I mean, the guy, the guy run, if the, the games we got to watch, the guy runs the court. With the ball in his fucking hand, like the dude dribbles down the court and pushes the pushes the team down the court. The guy can hit open threes. He's doing it. He's doing it. He's hitting open threes. The guy can score inside. He he's kind of he's kind of pretty solid all fucking around. You know, the one thing that he does lack that if you're gonna expect him to do, do so much offensively, the one thing the guy does lack is he's not a fucking ogre. You know, so for me, that's I've always said that I, I, I like having big guys on the court who throw their body around and do all that. I, I don't really feel like every team needs to have this, you know, everyone needs to shoot threes and kind of play off fucking fluid. I, I think you really can get off with that when you have elite players at the perimeter uh, and especially elite wing defenders, you can get off. Doing that because you're kind of playing a different game. And I don't, are the kings really going to turn around two through four next year and just turn to straight lockdown? That's why everyone says, I want three and D's, I want three and D's, right? And it's like, that's great, but there's only so many of them out there. That's why in the draft, everyone's taking eight wings in the first 11 picks, you know, is it, because everyone's looking for three and D's so that they can do that, so they can stretch the four, but. So just long-winded on your, que- on your question, right? Dude, for sure. With the right player, for sure. But you know what, do the Kings really want to do that? I, I don't know, man. Like it seems like the Kings just haven't, it's, it's more about like they have an idea of how they want to win. That's how they want. They don't want to, just, they don't want to win. They want to, they have an idea of how they want to win.
1: They want to win. Right. Like, like, like we've came in here and said this before, they want to win like golden States winning. It's kind of obvious, right? Like they, They brought in Luke Walton. They got Mike Brown. Now they're, that's how they want to win. They want to win, you know, with a a, a power forward who kind of does it all right. He, he can run the offense. He could pass the ball. He can, you know, score if he needs to that kind of stuff. So, um, but I, I really think it's beneficial, you know, like you, you know, we talk about this in the draft and stuff and you know, you take the best players available. Right. And then you figure out the rest later. You don't, you know, like you don't pass up on a a guy may be available and you're going to pass up on him because you want to win a certain way. Like you're saying, no, I I really think it's the Sacramento's best interest to take the best player available, um, whether it be draft, free agency, trade wise. So uh, we'll see, you know, Mike Brown, going back to to the coaching situation. Yeah, it's all great and everything. But, you know, we've been talking for 10 minutes here about the roster and and that's really what matters. Get fucking talent in Sacramento. Um, Go 82 games. Um, down to the wire, like they did in the 39 win season, you know, with, you know, competing. I, I I'm tired of the shit with three weeks left in the season, the season's over. So be competitive. It, it looks like we're in the right direction here. You know, McNair McNair, I think made the safe choice. So we'll see, man. I'm I'm excited. It was, it's been a good week. Now we're looking forward to, uh, looking forward to the draft, man. Hashtag TTP.
0: Hashtag TTP for show. That's trade the pick. If you don't know, um, Yeah, Ryan, good to be back after a little bit of a break here. We'll be bringing it back, man. I mean, things are going to happen. Like you said, draft, free agency. Um, We didn't go too much into it today, but we will, you know, coming up. So, hey, guys, we appreciate you listening in. If you ever want to interact or be a part of the show, you can always do so by tagging us. You can find Ryan and I. On Twitter and Facebook at Kings Eric and at Kings Cast Ryan, where we're pretty active, including our Facebook group Kingsland. If you want to support King, Kings Cast, slide down after the show on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five star review, and we will uh, read them on the podcast. And if you want to check us out, you can find us on the Believe Podcast Network, where we are the Sacramento Kings signature show on there. So with that, for Ryan, this is Eric. Go Kings! This episode was brought to you by Ziggy Smoke Shop, 209's Headiest Smoke Shop. Follow them on Instagram at Ziggy Smoke Shop 209 for a view of all of their awesome inventory.